The following episode is what I would call a hodgepodge, where we talk about loss, trauma, wisdom, and how they all intersect. I dedicate this episode to my dear aunt, Evora Wynn Pimento, who died on May 30th, 2021, after a long battle. Uh, she contracted COVID in 2020, and it took a toll on her. And as a result, she has now gained her heavenly wings um, just a little over a year after her twin sister, my Aunt Flora, passed away. So um, please listen, and I hope you enjoy. And I do hope that you share this episode with your family and friends. Aunt Evora, I love you. Rest in peace. Hello, all, and welcome to the Blue Diamond. This is Adre with something to say. So, um, due to circumstances, I've decided to change the discussion topic for today's episode. Um, we were going to talk about intergenerational trauma versus intergenerational wisdom, but I lost someone very, very dear to me, um, my aunt, Evora, um, and her uh, memorial service was today. And so I think it's a good opportunity to um, reflect on loss and on healing. And so I, I do have three guests who are going to join me in this discussion. So I am now going to take a quick moment to introduce them. And then we're going to jump right into this discussion. So first I have uh, with me my dear friend of, I think at this point, 35 years. She's been one of my best friends. And that's Miss Greta Lewis-Hardy. Welcome, Greta. Hi, love. I am Greta Lewis-Hardy. Yes, forever and love you. I'm a nurse practitioner who's located in Waterbury, Connecticut, and I practice hospitalist medicine. Thank you, Greta. Next, we have another dear friend of mine uh, who I met at a function and immediately connected with, and I'm so glad that she has agreed to return for another episode, and that is Mrs. Renee Johnson Thornton. Hi, Renee. We don't hear Renee. I will um, come back to Renee. Uh, so next, we have someone near and dear to my heart. I met her when she was a young woman. Um, well, she's still a young woman, but she was coming into her, her womanhood as a college student at Wesleyan University. And just instantly, I loved her. Um, we connected, got along really well, and she was a consultant for me, and I could not have been as successful as I was in the first year of my job without her consultation, and that is the lovely Michelle Kay. Welcome, oh Michelle. Oh, my gosh. Hello. That was such a lovely introduction. I'm Michelle Kay. Um, I work in Washington, D.C. in the field of international affairs now, so mu so much has changed since we first connected, and I'm really glad part of this um, pro a podcast project. 
Oh, thank you all. Thank you all so much for being with me today. Uh, Renee, do we have you with us? Testing. Am I here? Yes. Yay. <laughs> Thanks so much. So I, my name is Renee Johnson Thornton. I live in Middletown, Connecticut. For many years, I worked at Wesleyan University. And um, in December, I um, moved from Wesleyan after 22 plus years and joined um, an, uh, a, phil a philanthropic organization. So I'm working as a program associate and really enjoying that. Welcome, Renee. And I thank you all for being with me. I also uh, want to thank you all for being flexible. You know, I know that, you know, you guys take your time to get your minds right and prepare your thoughts. And um, I'm throwing a Hail Mary today. So I greatly appreciate that. Uh, so I just want to talk a little bit about... Um, loss and and healing and um, the need to uh, take care of yourself and, and, and take things seriously, let's say. So um, as I mentioned in my intro, I lost my, my dear aunt. Um, selfishly, I am, I'm sad about it. Um, enthusiastically, excited because I know that she is doing well now. Um, and that is where I will take my healing from. I'll take my healing from knowing that she is, uh, she is doing well now after a very, very long battle uh, with COVID. And if any of you heard my very first episode of season two, it was about COVID and whether or not specifically black people should take the COVID vaccine, because it's not just about the vaccine, it's also about trusting the uh, medical field. Um, but what I have, what my family and a lot of families have um, experienced is great loss um, of great souls who were otherwise healthy. And I am gonna, what I'm gonna do today is rejoice in knowing that she is pain-free. For me, this is another form of freedom. It is Juneteenth, and I am going to a Juneteenth celebration this afternoon. Um, and I saw this, this sign. There are so many different Juneteenth signs, but there was one that simply said, Juneteenth, celebrate freedom. I am celebrating the freedom of my aunt's soul today. Um, so... I'll turn the floor over to my guests to chime in. Was your Andrea? Um, she, I don't think I, you know, honestly, I don't know, but she ended up contracting COVID. I want to say it had to be in either June or July of last year. Mm-hmm. It was before anybody was getting any kind of vaccination. The one thing that I have learned is it does not matter how healthy. For some reason, COVID does not discriminate. But if you're brown or black, you are definitely more likely to contract it. And if you have any pre-existing, it's a And the one thing that I struggle with now, even for vaccinated people <clears throat> are people who come in to my hospital 
who don't have anything wrong with them. And I am so sorry for your loss, but when you see such a magnitude of loss and grief, especially from the black and brown community, when I see black and brown people who come in who are very healthy, but just hospital, I have no more sympathy because of the suffering we've gone through as a community. And I wish there was a support group for that, but there will never be a support group for that. So I, I am so sorry about your aunt, but I totally understand because she was healthy in every yes. regard word, but being black makes you immediately unhealthy in America, no matter she how also, much you She them. also took all the necessary precautions to protect herself. Oh, if she you're black, up, it doesn't matter. Yeah, she ended up catching it from a friend, a close friend. And everything the CDC teaches you is you take this precaution, you but before this confusing time, if you took all these precautions, you'd be okay. But in honor of Juneteenth, I'll say this, when you were brought to the nation as an enslaved person, had no access to medical care or well-being, it passes down from generation to generation. And I'm so happy for Juneteenth. I'm so happy to realize, you know, finally, slavery is acknowledged in this country, but from a medical perspective, I wish the country would acknowledge how much it has impacted those of us who want to be healthy, but our DNA says we have a long way to go. Yeah, I really thank you for that. Um, our DNA and the systemic racist practices that limit our access to quality preventative mm -hmm. healthcare and the increased amount of trauma, daily trauma that we have to experience. So objectively one might feel, I feel as though I'm, I'm in very good medical health. I don't, I don't have any um, chronic health conditions, but I'm a black woman living in America mm -hmm. in 2021. And I experience subtle and overt um, racism on a regular basis mm -hmm. and that finds its way in my cells and 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 wears me down so you know when I think about my brothers and sisters who are otherwise healthy and have succumbed to this horrible virus I think about it in its totality. I think about all of the other toxins that enter our system on a regular basis. For that, I'm truly, truly sorry and, and distressed. Well, uh, Michelle, My body connection is real. Yeah, I think that the, so there's two kind of pieces that I've thought about a lot over the last year. Um, one is this fantastic piece in, uh, I believe it was the New York Times Magazine by Teju Cole, who wrote about how we just cannot comprehend this much sorrow, where there is just so much happening, and yet we're also just trying to live our daily lives. And when it becomes these fantastical statistics, and, and not necessarily the things that we see on a daily basis or, or even know how to, um, our, our, our brains just can't comprehend what is really going on and the extent to which um, it's happening. And so 
Um, that and this concept of like anticipatory grief, I thought has been fascinating where it's not only that you're seeing this happen, but you know that it could happen regardless of all the precautions that you take um, because it doesn't intention or how much you do if, if you have one bad interaction that can change everything. And it does. Those are such um, really good points and concepts that you have been contemplating, Michelle. Uh, and I think that one of the things that I take from that is with all of this sorrow that we are facing, you know, that is so difficult for us because those of us who are living right now, when is another time in our living history where we have faced so much sorrow for such a long ongoing time? I think now is the time for us to really reflect and to, I don't, I'm not sure how to word it, but basically what I want to, what I'm feeling is that this is a time for us to prepare the youth. We should be gaining some kind of knowledge and wisdom. And in talking about um, trauma versus wisdom and how we, there's always going to be trauma and we'll always be able to talk about it. We'll always be able to focus on it. But we also need to focus on some wisdom, whatever it is that we are learning in these days. And I'm talking about not just COVID, but from the time that 45 came into office through who knows how much longer this is gonna go on. This is a time for us to truly start um, writing things down and talking and sharing. I'm glad you all are on my podcast because this is something that can live on way beyond any of us. And something that one of you or even I say could be a piece of wisdom and knowledge that could help someone in the future. And we need to pull as much positivity and learning out of what we're going through right now as we're pulling out the, the trauma. Well, one of the things that I have always said, and my friendship to you is so valuable for so many reasons, but this reason is the most important reason for my life as a black human being living in America. I've always said you have to know your past in order to know your future. But there were such big pieces missing from my past, like black colleges and black sororities. Even though my, my mother lived in an all black inclusive community, I was like, there has to be so much more. But because a hundred years ago, black people were just trying to survive in this country. When you talk to other black people who have already been through that struggle and their children, for example, with you, your parents went to black colleges. So the knowledge that they had, they passed on to their children. So when you talk to other African-Americans or black, I say black because I, that's how I identify myself. When you talk to other people who have are one generation ahead of you, the knowledge that they gain, and I see this in my own family, is absolutely insurmountable to their success in the future. Because everything I learn, I share with my nieces and nephews. And now my great nieces and nephews 
are going back to where my parents came from, which is South Carolina. And it ties all right back into you cannot know where you're going until you appreciate where you came from. That's generational trauma. Every day I experience trauma just being black and working twice as hard to prove I am a third worthy. Like those two black valedictorians in Mississippi who earned their valedictorian, salutatorian as two black women, two black girls. But then two white parents were like, no, no, my parent, my child should be here because it's a new system, which was easier for them to achieve it. It's so much trauma, but when you know where you come from, you can deal with that trauma better. And that's one of the things I'm talking about with uh, what's going on right now. This is trauma that we are facing, but we are gaining a lot of knowledge right now. And we need to share that knowledge. One of the things that I did and not just knowledge about um, coronavirus and all of that kind of stuff, but I posted on Facebook today a little bit of history about Juneteenth wisdom that I want passed on so that people know I've heard so many talk about um, how uh, since it says Juneteenth celebrate freedom how this is a day that slavery ended and so many people have said that I couldn't believe that so many people did not know the history of Juneteenth and that this is not a day that slavery ended, but it is a day that we will commemorate the, the freeing of the slaves. In certain yeah. states. In certain states. You know, we had the Emancipation <laughs> Proclamation. Well, well, Juneteenth is now a national holiday. So you, it, is yes. the day, it is the day that we commemorate the ending of slavery. However, the Emancipation Proclamation freed state um slaves in confederate states under stipulations right and the union soldiers went out there and they read the proclamation and recruited slaves in the confederate states to join the union army and that was in 1863 but if you were in maryland let's say and you were a slave the emancipation proclamation did nothing for you you didn't have your freedom. No. You had to wait until December of 1865. January of 1865, the 13th Amendment was signed, but it wasn't ratified for another 11 months. And in Galveston, Texas, they found out that they had been freed by the Emancipation Proclamation two years prior to June 16th. I'm sorry, June 19th, 1865. So that was just some some wisdom that I felt needed to be shared but we need to share wisdom about more than just what black folks are facing there are so many marginalized groups out there who are struggling and I know that it's a big battle to fight <laughs> but if you have some chunks of wisdom that have to do with a marginalized group. I mean, you know, we could just say a whole lot. We could spend a whole day talking about women alone. <laughs> no matter, no matter, no matter what your race is. Well, know. it's the intersectionality and and how you know all of our social identities then get compounded upon any any one person. So you know, being a trans male, 
or um, who's, who's, uh, you know, um, from a certain area, who is um, black or, um, or Asian. I mean, all of these different social identities become um, weights on that we, we have to figure out how to navigate. But I wanted to just kind of reflect a little bit on all of that wonderful, um, you know, uh, review that you just provided, Andrea, it was, it was very well done. And, um, and I do hope that people will go to the Facebook page and will read it. Um, I was thinking about the ways in which this historical moment and the COVID, you know, the global pandemic situation is all interconnected. I was thinking about the ways in which we think about making it through something as if we get to the other side and then there's utopia. And for, for black and brown people, that's never been a reality. So even if we think in terms of the emancipation or Juneteenth or the 13th Amendment, there's always been mountains beyond mountains. And so I think about that in terms of just living, that it isn't for me ever about getting through it's almost the journey that I'm in at any particular moment. I've got to exercise a level of consciousness around what am I learning right now that I'm going to mm. take into that next phase. And that's what I share with young people. You know, for many years, I was a class dean at Wesleyan and I've done a whole lot of research in the area. But, you know, it, it really is about being aware that there are factors out there that are trying to destroy us and thinking about ways in which we can identify those things and really navigate those the terrain. And for me, that is an important part, whether we're dealing with a global pandemic or we're dealing with institutional racism. Really yes, great I point. Um, Absolutely. In terms of like recognizing that in order to pass down wisdom, there has to be a recognition of trauma, an acknowledgement and a reflection of it where, you know, like I feel like my family, we there wasn't really the capacity to reflect on one's trauma and the struggles that they've encountered, um, you know, generationally as a country um, until something that I've had to proactively look into myself just because there's only that are passed down or there there's not explanations as to why things are done a certain way or, or behaviors, but rather it's an unpacking that I've had to do for myself where it's identifying those traumas, identifying the points in order to then derive wisdom. Mm, mm, powerful. Yes. Yes. And just to, just to um, piggyback on what you were saying, Renee, when you were talking about getting through it and there's this utopia on the other side. I mean, I, I, I like the way that you said that this is, this is a continuous journey. Yes. And that, that is why finding those chunks of wisdom are so important. And as mm. you see as a class dean of uh, young people who are at that age where they're getting ready to go into adulthood and, and this new, phrase that they've coined adulting they're going to start adulting but you know andrea no disrespect but 
our for many of us our black and brown kids they've been adulting way before they get to the college yes years. you know that adulting thing is really for more privileged kind of guarded folks who not had to navigate and negotiate tough tough circumstances for many of the 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 young people who who make it to these you know institutions the hbcus and the 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 um you know colleges and universities in this country i mean you know navigating the financial piece it's not always the case that mom and dad are cutting a check i had students who are working multiple jobs just to pay their share of the tuition and so the adulting thing is not really it it really is also about as we're going through the journey finding some way of finding joy like i love the way you opened up and you were talking about your 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 aunt and and you you even in sorrow there was joy again connecting with the history of black and brown folks in this country the trauma the 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 assault and we find joy we must we must recognize and 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 hold on to joy even in the middle of sorrow and it's a difficult thing it is hard right work. and and i think you know the 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 point that that i was that i was trying to make is that with you working with college students you're you're working with with these people who are at an age where they're getting ready to transition into a, a different way of living once they graduate from college. Mm -hmm. I'm one of those people who, when I was at Wesleyan University, encountered some incredible stories mm -hmm. that I personally could not relate to as a Black woman, although the person sitting in front of me telling the story was a young Black girl. And that's because my great grandmother went to college. Mm -hmm. I am not, I am nowhere near first generation. Mm -hmm. My parents met in college. Mm -hmm. uh, when I went off to Howard, my first two years of college, my, my parents were of the mind, we want you to focus on your education so you don't get a job. Mm. So yeah. I, I, my, my experience is very, is very different. And being at Howard University for me was very much like the, the TV show of the old, my old days, a different world. It was a different <laughs> world for me in so many ways, having graduated from an all girls private high school where my dear friend Greta and I were <laughs> two of four black girls in class girls in my class and then I go from there to Howard University so it was very different in um that way but also I had this independence that I didn't really know what to do with without any real financial responsibility I was one of those young kids who would have needed someone like you dropping some wisdom in my life to prepare me um, for the next step. So I, you know, I just think it's, it's um, what you, what you had the opportunity to do 
was really important work. And, mm. and I tried my very best to do that when I was at Wesleyan also. I mean, I was, I was an event planner and I had interns and I gave them responsibilities to help me plan events, but I also saw it as an opportunity to have them focus on the wisdom that I was trying to drop. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I personally look- know that you mentored a lot of students. A lot of students. I, I took great joy in that. You took me, and now I'm here. <laughs> so it wasn't about event planning; it was about mentoring. It was about life planning, my dear. There you go. Yes, there yes. you go. Well, <laughs> in the in the case of Michelle, who uh, was a student at the time, she had been um, working with uh, the event planner and the SOC program. Um, for some time before I came to Wesleyan, but she had gotten to the point where, you know, she was a senior, she had other um, things to focus on, but was more than willing to drop wisdom on me. Although, you know, I'm the quote unquote adult and she's the student and I learned so much uh, on, on how to be, um, how to be open-minded, how to approach students and, how to work with these highly intelligent, very capable students who at the same time may have still needed a little bit of mothering. And you know, Renee and I, we we have <laughs> we did a lot of mothering. We did some mentoring and we did some we did some some mothering to, to help these these young people through, but I gained so much knowledge from the students themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've been they were through different traumas that I had not experienced. I can remember when um, we had this organization at Wesleyan AFCA. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my goodness, how am I gonna? Oh, oh. can you remind me, Michelle? Of I mean, not Michelle. Um, Administrators and Faculty of Color Alliance. Right. So we were active in AFCA, and I remember, you know, it was just about the administrators and faculty, but we decided to bring students of color into a meeting one time. And this wasn't just, you know, black students, but students, you know, non-Caucasian students Mm -hmm. to give them um, a voice, you know, to give them an opportunity to speak and the, the stories they shared. I can remember one student in particular who was getting her education at Wesleyan, but she also was paying her parents' rent. So her her work-study job, when she would get that piece of paycheck, she had to send a chunk of that home to help support the family. That was something that I knew nothing about. I Like I said, I didn't even have a job my first two years of college. And, and to have that kind of responsibility can you imagine the kind of wisdom that that young woman is going to be able to share with generations to come? Because she, she told a heavy line. Mm. And what respect we had for people who had to negotiate those complex circumstances. Um, you know, I think, I know that we're running out of time, but um, this idea, I'm so glad, Andrea, you brought us around to the um, reciprocity of 
of the relationships. And, and again, even thinking in terms of our position to give wisdom, to bestow wisdom onto the next generation. The next generation is experiencing the world in a way in which we we can't even imagine, right? Because right. we're we're seeing it through the rearview mirror. And we can learn so much from them. And that can help us to make the I take my hat off to the courageous young folks that have have been at the forefront of the Black Lives Matter movement. Absolutely. Oh, yes. There is Absolutely. reason to be to be optimistic. And I'm not saying that we should put it all on the next generation, but I feel inspired mm. by that next generation. Absolutely. And so, you know, I know we're running out of time, but I, I just think in terms of thinking about the, the trauma, the joy, the movement forward, the hopefulness of this next generation, Juneteenth represents so much of that for me anyway. Me too. Well said. Well, since we are, we, we, we really are running short on time. Um, usually I like to end my podcast by giving all of my guests an opportunity to um, drop a final thought. Um, definitely that sounded, you know, quite a bit like a, um, final thought from you, Renee. Um, but I would like to give Michelle and Greta an opportunity in the last couple of minutes that we have to, to share with us a final thought. Well, for me, a year ago, uh, when George Floyd was killed, it was George Floyd, his death, because we saw it. We know this was happening in the black and brown community. Yes. But to see it, and to see people all over the world protesting. Mm -hmm. And full disclosure, I looked at my husband who's white and I said, now it's time for hope and change. Mm. And he said, Greta, I don't, I'm not sure. I said, no, you don't understand. It's time. Mm. And I am so proud. I'm so proud of the younger generation who didn't mm -hmm. prove me wrong. Yep. I have to get, I have to be proud of Joe Biden who was a president enough to stand up and say, it's time to talk about our past so we can get on with our future. Well, I, I must say, I, I know it's not my turn, but I don't know, <laughs> I, I'm not giving it all to Joe. I think uh, Sister Harris has something to do with it. I think yes. that's a lot to do with it. I think I'm pointing to a lot of black women who I think are in his ear. Yes, <laughs> but at the end of the day, he signed it, and I know yeah, that's why. Know. And my whole thing is, I just had a huge argument with a group of people from Pakistan, China, and Romania Ooh. telling me how to pronounce her name. Mm. I was like, "No, it's not Camila; it's Kamala," and she's the reason why we're progressing. Yes. So I, <laughs> I mean, how do you go after these these final thoughts? But I think it's there's a, a recognition <laughs> that you know even with the signing of Juneteenth as like a, a it's been way way overdue but also that this is not a final step this is just one part of the path towards actual reconciliation actual wisdom like it's it's not just uh an end point but still i think as as we've kind of discussed in earlier today that this is part of just a longer journey and that there's still so much more to go well said and, and you make a very good point when you say yeah. there's still a long way to go. 
um, because I saw a post. Um, I think it was on somebody's Facebook story. And it was a picture of a kid climbing up the stairs. But you know how when you're young, you can climb three stairs at a time. (laughs) And so that's what this kid is doing. He's climbing three stairs at a time. So his one foot is, is on the floor and his other foot is three steps up. And on that step where his foot is, it says Juneteenth. But on the, the steps below that, we have um, systemic racism and all of these other things that we, you know, reparations, these, all these other things that we still have to battle. Yes. And I think that speaks towards Renee's statement of it's not about fun in this utopia, but it's about using the wisdom you gain as you traverse this course. And well, you said it better, Andrea. Excellent. Well, well said. said. <laughs> <laughs> and it all comes from us sharing knowledge with each other. So, Amen. ladies, it's about that time um, to wrap up. I oh. really, truly appreciate uh, you guys joining me on today's uh, episode. And I really appreciate you going right along and being flexible with the Hail Mary that was thrown at you today. That's so what happens. It was happens a touchdown. Love you. Of course. Absolutely. I think we still <laughs> made it full circle. So yes. I, I think we still touched on a lot of what you wanted to unpack. Yes. Yes. Well, ladies, have a wonderful day. Wonderful day. And stay healthy and encouraged. Bye-bye. Thank you. Same thing to you all. Happy Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And don't forget to tell your friends. And remember, you can always find me online at anchor.fm slash the blue diamond. You can also find me on the Anchor app, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Spotify. Until next time, this is Adre signing off. <laughs>